up something that I felt the Lord um, impressed upon me last week when we were meeting in the open air. Um, just as we came to the end of the service, I just had a sense of a word about mending our nets. And, um, and I, I'd already been planning to, uh, something about 1 John, so I'm going to sort of <laughs> combine the two things. Hopefully they'll, they'll work well together. So from Mark 1, 16 to 20, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, mending their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. And that John who followed Jesus would write a few letters. The first John 1, verses 1 to 4. He writes, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we've seen it and testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Some translations have your joy complete. Let's just pray. We thank you, Father, for the Bible it's such a privilege to be able to have it so close. We can read it on our phones. We can have paper copies. And we pray, Lord, that we would be people molded by your word. And just um, open our eyes to see what you'd have to say to us through these passages. For our own circumstance, where we are and where we live and what we're going through as well as the wider church. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm always impressed when um, news bulletins talk about sort of, you know, the creation and things like that, and, and, and a reporter sort of stands in front and says, this is, you know, happened 37 million or billion years ago. And I think, ah, that's amazing that they know that so accurately to within one billion years or another. And then I just sort of smile in my heart and in my spirit to know that. Go as far back as you can in your imagination and there was Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit before any of it came into existence. He was there with his Father and the Holy Spirit from everlasting to everlasting, God in three persons. And the Apostle John, when he begins his gospel, he says, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God. And the word was God. And notice that how he begins his first letter is quite similar. He says, that which was from the beginning, we proclaim to you, Jesus. John, as we know, he was a fisherman from Galilee, around that area. And he worked in the family business, ZFC, Zebedee Fishing Company. I don't know if it was called that, but that's my word. 
And he worked with his brother James, and there were other hired men. We're told that they had other hired men that worked with them, so it wasn't just you know, a small affair. It was quite a big, big operation. They also had partners that they worked with. Simon and Andrew would have been partners as well with them. And we're also aware that John wasn't an educated man, according to the Jewish authorities. Because in Acts 4.13 it says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. But took note that these men had been with Jesus. But when Jesus called John, he followed. We read that. And I just, uh, last week, had that impression of, um, you know, Peter gets called. And when Peter gets called, he's fishing. He's casting out his nets. When John gets called, he's mending the nets. And uh, I just felt that that was a word for us as a church last week, that, that we need to mend our nets again. Maybe as individuals we need to mend our nets. Maybe as a church we need to mend our nets. And in that calling, I see uh, just that difference between John and Simon the different roles that they would have in the early church. John would have a ministry of mending things, fixing things, restoring things. He does that through mainly his writings. You'll know that John actually outlives all the other apostles. He sees all his friends executed or done away with. And according to tradition, not in the Bible, but that there were many attempts on John's life as well. And finally, he gets exiled to the island of Patmos. And it's there that he has that amazing vision of Jesus. The Jesus that he walked with, that he saw, that he touched, that he heard. He has this amazing vision of the heavenly Jesus, the cosmic Jesus, the lamb on the throne. The one who is coming again to make all things new. And he's told to write down what he sees. We have it, the book of Revelation. And John has blessed the church with his writings. He was an eyewitness. And in an age where John was writing, the church was feeling pressured. Pressured from without by persecution. Pressure from within because there were sort of false teachings, heresies just sort of bubbling up. And he knows that the church needed their nets to be mended. His gospel is not quite like Matthew, Mark or Luke if you, if you read them all in one go. Matthew, Mark and Luke, they're called the synoptic gospels. They're, they're quite similar in their sources that they use. But John's gospel is really different. He writes it later, and it's more perhaps theological, perhaps a bit deeper. You see that from the very beginning. He doesn't start with Bethlehem or the baptism of Jesus. He starts with, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I love reading John's gospel. And he calls the miracles that Jesus did signs of who he was. And in the Revelation, he enlarges our vision even more of Jesus as the eternal king of heaven. And in, at times when the church is under pressure, at times when there's uncertainty, at times when there's a struggle, John reminds us that Jesus 
The Father and the Holy Spirit are in control of all things. They are bigger than the problems that we face. They are bigger than the problems that the world faces. And they have that solution, that remedy. So he writes his letters as well, written to the church facing challenges, particularly of false teaching that was emerging. Some were even denying the incarnation very early on in the early church. There were, there were groups that were at the beginning of something called Gnosticism, which elevated knowledge above all things, sort of kind of really super spiritual things. They, they almost felt that the, the, the sort of fleshly things didn't matter. Some even would dare to think that the incarnation didn't really happen. Jesus only seemed to come in the flesh. Which is why John writes the introduction there. From the beginning, we saw him, we heard him, we walked with him, we talked with him, we gazed upon him. He was an eyewitness. Where some other teachers emphasize knowledge, John always emphasizes Jesus. The church's nets needed mending, and John writes to mend those nets. Often, through history, the church's nets get broken when we lose sight of who Jesus is. When we get sidetracked into other things. When we become known for other things other than primarily Jesus' people. Sometimes we can get lost in religion or even theology. I remember at Bible college, one of my colleagues, he had a crisis of faith because all the theology he was studying, he'd lost sight of Jesus. It was, you know, we were supposed to be there to train to, to lead churches and to represent Jesus, but too much theology can actually take your eyes off who he is. John was skilled at mending nets. And we have to again and again refocus on who Jesus is as church to grasp the truth. The Apostle Paul writes, and I love this translation in the message version of Colossians 1, 15 to 20. When we look at Jesus, we see the God who cannot be seen. When we look at Jesus, we see God's original purpose in everything created. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible, invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything gets started in him and finds its purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence and holds it all together right up to this moment. And when it comes to the church, he organizes it and holds it together like a head does a body. He was supreme in the beginning and leading the resurrection parade. He is supreme in the end. Not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, peoples, things, animals and atoms, get properly fixed together in him. All because of his death, his blood that was poured down on the cross. And John would have said to Paul's description of Jesus, Amen. The church needs a clear and renewed vision of Jesus again and again and again, it is the best remedy for broken nets. 
John says, this we proclaim to you, Jesus, the word of life. In a confused world, Jesus is the way. In a confusing world, Jesus is the truth. He alone has the words of eternal life because he is the word of life. And that eternal life, Jesus describes as a relationship with him. A future hope, but a present reality. A relationship with him, that nothing can take it away from us. Over this past year and a half or more, church worldwide has faced incredible new challenges. Something I've I'd never experienced in my life before. If someone had said to me a few years ago, there will come a moment in a few years' time when you won't gather as church for nearly a year and a half as you would normally do. I was like, hey, how does that happen? We need to come together again and mend our nets. The Greek word that John uses is, means to repair, to restore. So what kind of nets do we need to mend and restore? I think mending nets wasn't a glamorous job for the fishermen. They'd rather be out there casting their nets, gathering in the fish, but you, you can't do that unless you've mended your nets. If you don't attend to the mundane, you won't see the marvelous. So what needs mending? What's been tested in your life over this last year and a half? In this strange time? Our relationship with God? I know that throughout this time, some people have found it really hard. Others have really dug deeper, and actually, they'll be saying, actually, my faith has really, really grown through this last year and a half. But others said they've, they've found it really tricky, really hard. Our fellowship life together is one of the challenges, how, how we restore that. Some people are very nervous about still joining together. But we want to say, you know, in the coming weeks and months, we want to gather back together as a whole church. That weekly seeing one another, that's one of the things I've really missed over this last year and a half, that weekly seeing one another. That, just that touching base at the church door. Because I've felt so kind of apart from much of the fellowship because you know there's only so many phone calls you can make in a week and, and you deal with the urgent more than anything else. I think it's one of the nets that we need to be praying gets mended. And then for the mission, we are committed to be in a church on mission, but we need to mend our nets. Holy nets don't catch many fish. When Jesus called the early disciples, I guess they had no idea what was about to happen to them. Jesus, the preacher from Galilee, he calls them. And they begin to realize that he is more than that. He is the Son of God, the Messiah. More than that, he is God the Son. And once they encounter him, their lives change forever. They would be the first of many who would follow Jesus as their Savior and Lord. And across this world, from tribe and tongues, Jesus 
calls us to follow him. John was mending nets when Jesus called him. And he said, follow me. Imagine saying to Jesus, where are we going then? Because we want to know where we're going. Follow me. No, but where are we going? And I think he just says, with me. You're going with me. Sometimes we want to know so many details. What's the strategy? What's it? Jesus calls you to be with him. Travel with him. And that's a call again on our lives today. A new season is upon us, isn't it? And yes, there's time to heal, time to mourn, time to grieve the losses that all of us have felt, and time to recover. I think worship is key to that. Corporate worship. There's something so wonderful about coming together to worship God together and praise Him and worship Him and just be in that presence. We've got a special evening service tonight just focusing on worship and prayer and and just dwelling in God's presence. But that has to be done in the mundane as well as the marvelous, the big occasions. To restore worship as the everyday part of our lives. To come again and again to the restorer of our souls. Make our joy complete, writes John, or make your joy complete with this fellowship. And he uses that word koinonia, Greek word, to restore, to to walk closely with one another, to have intimate relationship. As the Father and Son and Holy Spirit are in fellowship together, that we have fellowship with him and fellowship with one another. So as we've gathered this morning, I'd like us just to pray for our fellowship, the wider fellowship, the ones that filled the seats once that we remembered when we were all together, and that we together might mend our nets with this vision of Jesus restored in us with a commitment to that fellowship together. And then we'll go fishing again, okay? Let's pray.